Amen. Thank you, choir. Always good to hear you. We're in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And today I want you to know, as we've gone through the book of Hebrews to this point, um, and I'm having a little trouble with this, so help me out, brothers. The, um, the three different groups being addressed in the book of Hebrews, they're Jewish people who have surrendered their lives to Christ, they understand He's the Messiah, and they've surrendered their lives to Him, and they know that, and they're, they're in Christ. And then there are Jewish people who are convinced that Jesus is the Messiah in their heads, but not in their lives and their hearts. And so then the third group are the Jewish, Jewish people who have not yet been convinced that He is the Messiah, and not yet received Him as Lord and Savior. And so that's, that's where we are. We're in... Uh, this letter, the superiority of Jesus Christ, that's what the whole letter is about. We're living in the new covenant. We're moving as we move more through the book of Hebrews. That'll become more apparent as we talk about the new covenant. And today we're talking about consider Jesus. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong impression. And so I want to start out by saying, when I say consider Jesus, and anybody I would say that to, uh, this is a phrase that comes from the passage. I don't know if you've noticed yet, but I have a terrible habit, which was a, it was not a terrible habit, it's just a habit. It's a wonderful habit, actually. I don't know how to outline things in the Bible, so I just let the Bible outline itself. And the titles for the sermons just come from the text that we're talking about, so I don't really have a hard job at all. It's just really easy, it's all right there. So this phrase is in there. So what I mean to say is this. We're not asking people, and the, the people in this letter are not being asked to um, walk up to the world of religious beliefs and say, hey, hey, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. He's a good one too. That is not what we're talking about. And we'll see that more as we move along. This, this is not a cafeteria of beliefs to choose from where you say, well, now, Jesus is a good one. Oh, please, uh, that's not going to work. So let me read the passage, all six verses, and then I'll come back and we'll go through some of those things there. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later, but Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Now this Begin by looking at this first part, this very first verse. There it is, the title to the sermon, Consider Jesus. Now look at what he, who he's talking to. Now, you'll notice in the book of Hebrews, he'll say brethren. Brethren this and brethren that. He's talking to brethren. These are Jewish people he's referring to. But in this particular verse, he says, holy brethren. Holy brethren. He is speaking to the brothers who are in Christ. Not just Jewish, but Jewish brothers in Christ. And sisters, by the way, we're not politically correct. I'm sorry. You know, God created man, 
male and female, he created them, it says in Genesis. So man means male and female. Brethren means brothers and sisters. We okay? Good. Okay. I just, I keep looking for somebody to raise something like this and start throwing things. You know? And I'll just catch it and throw it back. No, I just, no. You know. Partakers of a heavenly calling. Now, this sounds so religious and so churchy. You know, I don't, I, I, I love the church. Jesus died for the church. The church is, is, is a, if you're not in, in a part of a local church of followers of Jesus Christ, you're not walking with God. You're out of fellowship with God. That's just going to say that right off because that, I've been reading the Bible a little bit. And, and, it, and the New Testament just oozes with all this stuff you can't possibly do in walking with Christ if you're not part of a local church. You can't be wandering out there. You know, the sheep that are wandering out there and the, the, the wolves are come after them. There you are. <laughs> all over there by yourself. And the next thing you know, you're lunch or dinner for some wolf. And you wonder what happened. And some people don't even know what happened. They think, what just happened to me? Well, you weren't in the fellowship. You weren't where you have a shepherd. You weren't protected. And it was your fault. You can blame everybody else, but uh, it was your fault. So we're partakers of a heavenly calling. What is that calling? To come apart. Holy means to be separate. That calling, we come out from, among, from, from the world and surrender our lives to Christ. Now, we, we're in the world I got up this morning, I was in the world. And nothing seemed to have changed since yesterday. I was hoping that that was all a nightmare. And it was over. No, the world's a mess. But we're not. We're in Christ. We have a, a higher calling, a, a, a heavenly calling. And what is that? That sounds like you've got to talk and explain it. But it's very simple. We walk with Jesus Christ. It's very real. It's not a... Uh, God is way up there and we hope he hears us sometimes. No, it's a personal relationship with Christ where you, every thought, every action, and everything is like Jesus is standing right there with you. And you're Jesus, what should I do now? What should I say now? How should I think now? Jesus, just help me. It's very personal. And uh, most people, uh, you know, uh, don't get it and they don't think that way. But he's referring to these holy brethren as you. And, and saying, partakers of a heavenly calling. You've been called out and called into Christ, and we've got a heavenly home. So we have a heavenly thought process and a heavenly heart. And then he says, consider Jesus. Now he's talking to the people that I just described are in Christ. Consider Jesus means to fix your gaze on Jesus, to, to look at who he really is. And when things start to fall all apart all around you, you look at Jesus. You look at Jesus. You know, Peter was out on the water, and Jesus, he said, Master, you know, tell me to come out on the water with you. And he did, and he got out there, and he's standing on the water, which is an amazing thing. Now, up north in Massachusetts, they do it all the time. <laughs> but it's because it's frozen. You know, around here, you're walking on the water, you're doing something. And in Galilee, in the Sea of Galilee, you're walking on the water, you're doing something. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. And began to sink. Now, that's what happens. Everything's fine when you have your eyes on Jesus. Uh, just focus on Jesus. Is Consider Jesus. Now, who he is. Now, we're going to talk about all of that. He's the apostle and high priest of our confession. 
the apostle, the, the word apostle is a fancy word, it means sent one, the one that has been sent from God. Uh, he is the apostle. Now we have the apostles, we have the apostle Paul, we have, you know, all the 12 apostles, we got all that. Even in some parts of the New Testament, you'll find somebody will be kind of like an apostle, somebody that's sent out by the church from Antioch to go to do some mission work and to do different things. Sent one is what I mean, but this is the sent one. The one our Lord Jesus sent from heaven to come down and be our Lord and Savior to save us from our sins. And he's a high priest of our confession. Our confession is that Jesus is Lord, that he's the Lord of all, that we surrender to him. That's our confession. There is no one else. There's not a second place. There's not, there's not a cafeteria mentality among us. We see Jesus and we see him alone. And that's it. It's very simple. So people think you're narrow-minded people. Yes. We're very narrow-minded people. And I hope that when you're on the highway going home today, you're narrow-minded. So I kind of like the left lane a little bit more than I like the right lane. You're going to find out you wish you were narrow-minded. And you hope that when you're driving in that narrow-minded lane on the right side of the highway, that the people coming your way are narrow-minded too. Stay in your lane. Live longer. And you could be married for 74 years. I thought it was, Marion just makes me laugh with her sense of humor. Well, first you've got to live that long. <laughs> Listen, write that down. For, live that long. Instructions for a long marriage. Live that long. Number one, got that. That's kind of funny to me. Anyway, where was I? Okay, yes. Narrow-minded. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. The only way is Jesus Christ. That's pretty narrow. Pretty narrow, but it should be easy to find, shouldn't it? Well, it's not. The broad way that leads to destruction is the easy way to find. Everybody's headed that way. But then right in the middle of all the people headed to hell, there's a group of people that are coming this way, headed for heaven in the narrow way. Saying, I, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, don't you want to go with me to, to heaven with Jesus? No, they're, they're on their way to hell saying, no, heaven's this way. I said, well, that's not what Jesus said. I'm following Jesus. Get my eyes on Jesus. Pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. I'm headed right to heaven for you. That's, that's the heavenly calling. The Bible says he was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was in all his house. Comparing, comparing Jesus and Moses, this is an ingenious thing to do. It's very helpful for us, but ingenious for this group of people because they thought Moses was way up here. Nothing like Moses. And I'll tell you what, if you read the Bible uh, for any length of time, uh, just read through the Bible, and Moses is an amazing person in history. God did all kinds of things through Moses. Moses is mentioned all the time, and, and it's quite fascinating. And he was imperfect, and he messed up, and all the stuff, but he's he revered among the Jewish people, Moses. Moses. So, yeah, he was faithful. Jesus was faithful to God. And, and all that God appointed him to do. Moses also was faithful in all God's house. That's a, his house. That's a quote from uh, Numbers. And so this is talking about God's house. And God's house, by the way, God's house are people. It's people. It isn't a building. It isn't a temple. It's people. This, I, you're going to do it, and I'm going to forgive you. This is a sanctuary. You won't hear me call it that. 
That's okay if you call it that, and I'm not going to get upset, but that's not what I call it because that's not what this is. This is not the sanctuary. We are the sanctuary. The sanctuary of God walks out of this building every Sunday. We are filled and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. We're in the sanctuary. Now, I know this is sanctuary, like, you know, okay, if you want to call it that, we're okay, but just wink at me and say, I know what you mean, Pastor. I know, I know, it's not really the sanctuary. And it's going to be a hard habit uh, to break, and probably you won't, but I won't ever start it, because I'll call it the auditorium. And if it offends you that I call it the auditorium, Get over it. <laughs> you know, we're going to be fine. You'll forgive me, won't you? I forgive you for calling it a sanctuary. Let's just agree to that I'm right. <laughs> Maybe I should move on. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 3. <clears throat> for he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Among the people he's writing, you can't do better than Moses. More glory than Moses. By just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. You know, you ever, you ever go, you know, we went looking for houses, trying to find a house to live in, and like, oh my, oh, what a job that is. Glad that's over with. And, but you look at houses, you look at drive by, oh, that's a nice house. Oh, that's a nice house. Look at that house. Nobody ever says, boy, that's a beautiful house. I wonder how it built itself. Nobody thinks those just, well, they kind of do look like they just crop up. That kind of happens. Between my house between this church building and my house, there are 16 housing developments. If I counted them right, and we're the 17th, going up Woodruff Road, and I'm going, what in the world? Well, not really. It took a little bit of time for them to build those houses, but nobody ever gives the glory to the house. You say, well, who built that house? Somebody built that house, and the glory goes to them. What a great Builder of houses, what a great carpenter, what a great mason, whatever. Beautiful house. I want a house like that. Maybe I'll get the guy that built that house to build me one. And that's the way you think. So much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. How about that? I don't know how many people you've talked to about God and what their relationship with Christ and whether they know Jesus or not. And some people, I'm just not that religious. Or some people get really weird and say, I'm an atheist. And I said, that's intriguing. You don't believe there's a God? <clears throat> no. I said, okay, well, I'm not going to pick on you because you don't believe there's a God. Really. I, that's, that's just everything if you did it all yourself, you didn't do it all yourself. That breathing thing that you do every day, when does that stop? That little heart, doom, 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 then beep. Why don't you stop dying? Don't you die now. Make sure you live tomorrow. Does anybody really understand that we don't have much control over that? I mean, you could be crazy and walk out in front of a bus and stuff like that, but I'm talking about you don't know when you're going to check out. You don't know. No. I know somebody that knows. And everything you've ever built was indirectly built by God because he enabled you to build it. He enabled you to work. There's some people. There's one man in, in Arkansas. We lived in Arkansas while I was in seminary. I went to seminary in Tennessee, and we lived two hours from the seminary building in Arkansas. And 
There was a man there. I kept. He was. They were farmers. I'm talking about sun up, sun down farmers. You could never talk to this guy because he was always in the field. And so I'm. Mean, how am I ever going to get to talk to this guy? I need to tell him about Jesus and see if he, he knows Christ. And he he was so quiet that when he talked, you, well, he just didn't. And his brother was quieter than he was. <laughs> they just stared at you. And if they're listening, they're not listening to this because he died. But both of them did. But I'm going to tell you what, everybody that knows him said, well, that's exactly right. They never said hardly anything. You know what happened to him? His back went out. He had severe back trouble. Guess where he had to be? At home, lying in the bed, trying to get better. Guess who comes to see him? Hey, man, I come to see you, see how you're doing, what's going on with you, my back, I can't work. He starts talking. So that's terrible because, you know, you got to work to make money, to live, to, you know, to eat and all the stuff. And everybody knows that. Who's in charge? God. Who's in charge? God. Everybody knows it now, right? All it takes is a little bit of a health problem and you realize who's really in charge. Well, that fellow, I got to talk to him and he and share Christ with him, and he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And it, his life was transformed, and he still didn't talk much. But when he did talk, he would talk about how glad he was that his back went out, and that I came to visit him and share Jesus with him. He was running from me on a tractor, but I found him. It was so good. It was just so good. So God gets the credit, and God gets the glory. Now Moses was faithful in all his house, that's God's house, as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. Moses was a servant. Now you know the story, I can't go into all the things about Moses, but you know if you have to read uh, in Exodus and you can read from the beginning of his life and, and all the stuff. It took 40 years for God to get him ready to do anything. You know, and, it, and he really started going at 80 so I'm really looking forward to being able to accomplish a lot when I'm 80. Apparently, and Marion agrees with me. So, Charles and Marion, what a wonderful couple. Anyway, Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant. Now, get an understanding about this. What Moses was a part of was something I think a lot of people misunderstand. The Jewish people that would have been reading this letter would have probably misunderstood. At least we know two-thirds of them might have misunderstood uh, and that's that it wasn't all about the temple. You know, same, you know, I have never met your wife, Pastor. I'd like to meet your wife. And I take a picture of my wife out and say, here she is. It's a whole while wonderful. She's so beautiful. I said, I know. There she, and, and then she walks in the room. And, and they say, well, well, who's this? I said, that's my wife. But this is... I pay more attention to the picture than I do her. So well, this is my wife. That's, you know, I ignore her carrying a picture around. You think I've lost it. This is just a picture. That's just a piece of paper with an image on it. That's not really her. That's not really her. This is not really the sanctuary. The temple was not really where God lives, although God is everywhere, that is a picture. Everything in the temple was a picture of Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene and you don't say, let's go look at the temple. 
Let's go look at the picture of Jesus. And there are a lot of people in this world that think they know what Jesus is like. They add things and take away things. And Well, Jesus would never do this, and Jesus would have thought that, and they act like they know what Jesus would think. Well, it's in the book. The Bible tells you what he thought and what he thinks, and read it, study it, and you find out. You can do away with the picture when you've got the real thing. Consider Jesus. Get away from all your religious thinkings about who he is and find out who he really is and focus on him. When things get tough, and if they haven't gotten tough for you, we can fix that. You've got problems. Everybody's got problems. Things that just aren't right, consider Jesus. Look to Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Fix your gaze on Jesus. Say, Jesus, help me. Help me, Jesus. You know, you mutter, walk around the house muttering all the time. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Just help me, help me, help me. I need help. Fix me. I need to be fixed. I need. If you don't do this, Lord, it's not going to happen. It's all focusing on him. Now, Moses uh, was a servant. He did what God told him to do. He had uh, built the tabernacle and all the things. And all the things you can read about in the book of Exodus, I know, uh, some of you waited for the movie to come out. I think Moses is Charlton Heston. That's not accurate. But, but you, when you think about what God did through Moses, it's amazing. And, and we could go into all the, like the ten plagues and all of that and how God brought them out and parted the Red Sea and all this stuff. There's just so many things about that. So you know all of that maybe if you don't read up in the book of Exodus and Numbers. And, oh, anyway, it was a testimony of things which were to be spoken later. Spoken later. Everything that Moses was doing, everything that God used Moses to do as a servant was to be used what would be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. So here we have Moses was a servant, Jesus is the son. Now if, if you're in a kingdom and the son is there, who's more important, the son or the servant? Well, the son. Well, the son owns the house. Well, he's the, he's the, the one who's going to inherit everything. He's the one that owns it all. Well, that's Christ. He owns it all. He made it all. He holds everything together. Um, he is the glue that holds it all together. And, and Moses was okay. <laughs> well, Moses may be better than all of us. I don't know. But compared to Jesus, he was okay. But he's not. There's not a... There's not a comparison to be made is what the comparison is saying. You can't compare. Jesus is everything. Now that's where I wanted to end in the passage. And you can see why I'd want to do that because of the length it takes to do some things. But there's one more verse that I want us to read that will bring all of this together and close us out. And that's in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. And coming to him, speaking of Jesus, and coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. So we come to Jesus who is like a living stone which has been rejected by men, the stone that the builders rejected. They rejected the very one who is the rock. Then he says in verse 5, you also as living stone. Jesus is a living stone. We are living stones. Like God is putting, is building a building of believers. And every time somebody comes to Christ, here's another stone added to the building. And it's a living building. 
It's the sanctuary of living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So you see the imagery, the temple where they would have the priesthood and and it was a spiritual place where they would go to worship, but the, the priest, it was everything said, whoops, not too close now. Everything scream, would scream separation. Oh, oh, you can't come this far. Only the priest can come over here. And then only the high priest can go into the holiest of holies. It's, it screams separation, separation, separation. There were sacrifices that showed there had to be bloodshed. That innocent had to die for the guilty. And it was all over. People would see it all the time. And later, Jesus Christ shows up and fulfills the symbols, all those things were, he fulfills that and becomes the once for all sacrifice, never to have a sacrifice again made because he's the one. The picture can be laid aside for the reality of Christ. And that's what that's all about. Living stones being built up as a spiritual house. Holy priesthood were set apart to be priests. We represent God to people and people to God. We pray for people. We intercede for people in our prayers, and we represent God to people. People look at our lives and say, it's, it's like, uh, I follow Jesus, I just follow Jesus, and you follow me, and then I can get out of the way, and you'll be following Jesus. Because when you start out, people are so concretely minded and, and, and so immature in, in their understanding of God, they need a human being to help them understand what God is like. And they say, you know, you people at Five Forks, you kind of are very loving and caring. This is, this is nice. You know, why are you like that? Well, it's not why, it's who. We haven't always been like this, and we're not always like that either. I know sometimes we won't talk about that. Oh, but, but if you do come here, and things aren't quite the way they ought to be, you'll fit right in. <laughs> because you're not quite what you ought to be all the time either, are you? But this is a place where somebody says church is a hospital, not a museum. You know, a bunch of sick people show up every week to say, Lord Jesus, help us. But there is a transformation that takes place, and there is a caring and concern for every human being, for every soul. And if you don't get that when you come, let me know. I can't fix it, but I just want to know. I want people to feel right at home here because this is where we worship the Lord. This is where we come together. And this is where we offer our lives to Christ. And we, we start out the week and go through the, this whole week. We're going to focus on Jesus and focus on Jesus. And, and then Monday comes. So, oh, don't forget, consider Jesus. All through this next week, Every time something, every time slip, uh, slip up, everything, something comes to your mind it shouldn't. Every time you're about to say something you shouldn't say, you say, remember this, you hear this voice? Consider Jesus. Maybe I ought to record that for you. And it'll press a little button. Consider Jesus. Because that, focus on Jesus. When you're about to do something you're not supposed to do, consider Jesus. He will help you through life. He'll help you through everything. And the spiritual sacrifices are when we submit ourselves to Christ and do what he says to do, we offer to him our actions. Today I'm going to forgive somebody 
that I couldn't forgive yesterday, but I considered Jesus, and he helped me forgive. Today I'm going to overlook some things that I wouldn't have overlooked yesterday because I considered Jesus. And I really hope that everybody around me considers Jesus as well so that they will forgive me for the things that I've done and said, and they'll consider Jesus. So if we all consider Jesus, oh, what a wonderful place this will be. What a tremendous place. Everybody comes together loving Jesus and considering Jesus. So next time you get into a conflict with somebody, consider Jesus. And if it's a brother or sister in Christ, you look them in the eye and say, why don't we just consider Jesus? Let's consider Him. And we're not always going to agree on everything. I mean, wouldn't that be boring? But it doesn't have to be too exciting either. Let's not get that way. But we can agree that Jesus is Lord of all. And we can consider Jesus and go right back to who Jesus is. Go right back to His Word and what it says and say, Jesus, lead us and guide us. And we'll, we'll go forward from, from where we are right now to where we need to be in Christ as we consider Jesus together. Uh, we're in a race. We're in a race, and we're all on the same team. I'm not competing with you. I'm pulling for you. Isn't that the way it ought to be? That is the way it is when we consider Jesus. If you're here today and you've never considered Jesus and who He is as your personal Lord and Savior, Today's the day for you to do that. I invite you to come to Christ unapologetically. Surrender your whole life to Jesus and find what it means to be forgiven. Find what it means to be in Christ. To know what it means to be called holy brethren by Jesus. I wish I could communicate it better to say that it's between you and God. I know we've got a few people around kind of watching us. That's kind of rough. I know sometimes you don't like to be watched. But when you, if you could just for a moment say, just between you and Jesus, this is for everybody. Today, what's in your life? Just you and Jesus. You're just you two. Jesus, um, I want to talk to you. What would you say? Well, Jesus, I have not yet surrendered my life to you and I know that I've I let some things get between me and you and I want you to come into my life and take over my life so Jesus would you take over my life just now it's just that personal it's just that simple and then surrender your life to Christ I'm going to lead us in prayer in just a moment and you just pray and just tell Jesus and if you're here today and it's I've been walking with Jesus for years and so I've been stumbling for years you know whatever you've been doing just you and Jesus. What would you want us to tell Jesus today? Jesus, this is thing in my life shouldn't be there. Would you take it out of my life? I've been trying, but I haven't been able to get it, get it out. What is it? Is it your pride? Is it like something of the lust of the flesh problem that you have? Is it that you're materialistic and you hold on to you, you want things and, and money and you, that's your focus? I just named the only three areas you're ever going to have problems. Pride, lust of the flesh, and lust of the eyes, materialism. That's the only problems we have are in those three areas. So I hit the bullseye. Everybody's got problems. Take it to Jesus. Consider Jesus. Focus on Him as we pray together. Father, I pray first for those who are here today who have never surrendered to You. 
this is a spiritual birthday for that one who is saying yes to you today. I pray, Father, that you would help that person who is saying yes to Jesus today just to cry out to you and say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead that I could be made right with God. Please come into my life, take over my entire life, be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. Be my Lord, my Savior. Lord, thank you for those who are praying that just now. I pray that you give them genuine assurance of a genuine salvation. And Lord, for the rest of us, this, those things that are a struggle for us, the difficulty we bring before you. Lord, I give these things to you and take them from me. Replace them with the things that should be there. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand together in this time of invitation, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, I'd like to know about it. You can come forward and tell me about it today, or you can contact me later and let me know. If you just want to come and pray here, you can do that. If you believe that God is leading you to be a part of Five Forks Baptist Church, I'll tell you this. The way we receive members is you tell me, contact me in some way that you want to be a member. You can do that by coming forward today. Join this church by profession of faith and baptism or by a statement of faith in Christ, by a letter from a church of like faith and order. I'll help you with that. But I want to talk to you before you join the church because I want to talk to you about what the church is about. So I want to meet with you first. But I'd like to know, first of all, if that's what you want to do. And we'll set up a time to meet. You get to meet with me. And we'll talk about the church. And I'll find out your story. And you find out the story of the church and all. So you come as God would lead you as we pray together in this time of invitation.